Hey guys, and welcome back to the Skullcast for episode 70, Big 7-0. It is a big occasion for Berserk. I feel like we've been leading up to this moment since we started recording, and that might be a little hyperbolic, but I really do feel like that because when we started, we were on the island just finishing up the Sea God section, and I feel like at the end of every episode, we've kind of had to reevaluate, like, well, I wonder how far we are from reaching the island and and even before we started recording of course a lot of our theories and you know speculations about what's going to happen in the future kind of hinge on these immediate events after they arrive at Elfhelm like what Elfhelm is going to bring to the table because we're kind of lying you know resting a lot of our ideas at the feet of what's going to happen here on the island and now here we are taking our first steps on the island in pretty rapid pace and I, I mean I said so with a thread but I kind of felt like a little bit of a parent kind of watching our kids take our first steps like, I, I don't know how I feel about this, you know? We're going so quickly towards the unknown, you know, towards uncharted territory uh, with what's going to happen with the series. Reminds you of how it was back in the day, right? How far back in the day? You mean with my son? No, <laughs> I mean like in 2000 with the series. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. When we definitely didn't know what was going to happen with yeah. Griffith's incarnation, that was the big, what was what's well, going to happen after that point? Remember when he came back? It's like it's probably going to be over soon now. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so, yeah, well, I so guess he's back. Go. So, so there you go. Better. So yeah, what did you guys think? What did you guys feel about this episode in terms of like just the bigness of the the moment? Well, it's pretty momentous, like you said. I mean, it's a, it's a, you know, at the same time, you know, like it's a, on one hand, it's a huge deal because you know, like the arrival at uh, Skellig. And uh, and everything, it's something like you know a journey that's uh, been going on since 2001. But at the same time, I don't know. It was not. It's maybe because, and I think we'll talk about it later. The fact we didn't get the big reveal shot of the island, you know, uh, it makes it kind of uh, not that big of a deal to me. Like you know, uh, just purely from a storytelling perspective, they're like just they're arriving, and like you said, it goes pretty quickly. It's not. Like, it doesn't linger, you know, Mira doesn't, you know, show them taking their time or anything. So, I think we have yet to see, actually, even a bigger reveal, you know, like, <clears throat> maybe mm-hmm. when they'll actually get to the elves or anything like that. But, uh, yeah, I, I think we, we have yet to see something even bigger. So, yeah, you know, it's it's big as a, as a reader, you know, from a reader's perspective. But I think in the story, it's not like we've yet to see some bigger stuff, you know, some bigger reveal, some bigger arrival feeling. I'm glad you said that because, you know, just that you got that sense, too, because I didn't want to be just a contrarian because I don't know if you could tell from my my one post in there and what it focused on, but I actually thought it was kind of uh, underwhelming. And I don't say that to say it's disappointing or anything. I mean that Mira wasn't, you know, he didn't like have fireworks going off and, you know, like they're here, you know, it's the island, you know, it, you know, this is a big deal for a lot of readers. We sort of marked it as, you know, this milestone, but in a lot of ways it was very typical berserk. You know, they came to a new environment they, you know, there was these, you know, unique obstacles to that environment, and a, of course, a unique enemy that they had to fight. You know, we've seen this play out over and over again. So, for you know, it seemed I got the sense, even from Mira, it was sort of like, this is this has been, you know, it's been the journey, right, not the destination, and it's you know the same berserk. Nothing's really going to change now. It's like there's going to be momentous things here that we've been looking forward to, but the story's also going to move on after that. Mm-hmm. So. 
you know, I, I didn't, you know, like it didn't end the world for me or make life worth, you know, worthwhile. It wasn't, you know, the meaning <laughs> of the story. I just thought it was cool that they got there. And I also, I thought it was kind of cool that Mira, he played it cool. It's like, Hey, they're here and we're getting down to the business of what they're going to do here. But you know, this isn't any more spectacular than, uh, you know, what we saw before with Ganeshka or Griffith and all that stuff that we weren't necessarily promised, but that was really cool that happened. You know, one thing I think uh, is funny is when you compare it to uh, when they arrived at the solitary island, you know. <clears throat> I was where, thinking about that. Yeah, where, you know, like, I mean, it's not, it's, I wouldn't say it's not very different, but yeah, it's just, you know, like the sea, you know, land, they, you know, reach the shore. Uh, you see Sidro running up, you know, before everyone. And yeah. they're just exploring the place. And so, you know, it's it's done a bit differently. But my point is, yeah, they're, they're arriving. and uh, But, yeah, Murat didn't make a big deal out of it. Yeah, I mean, we pretty much only get one shot of the island in terms of it being on the horizon. And, and I think I've said multiple episodes on the show that... I always expected we would see that as kind of a, the last shot of an episode because it's kind of like, it's a great teaser, right? But what Miura did was made a lot more sense with the story. He just went for it, right? I mean, like, there's no teasing. It's just he arrives there on the first page of this episode. Well, you know, you, you know I think we were, if I remember, or at least maybe that was just my feeling, but I thought, yeah, it would either be like at the end of one episode we get to see a shot or just at the beginning of the next, you know, it, it could mm-hmm. be uh, either way. And so he went this way and I don't think, you know, like it, w- it would have made sense if uh, there had been a Guts episode before. But since we went directly from uh, Falconia, you know, it, I, I think it wouldn't have made much sense because the previous time we saw the group, it had already been a kind of, I don't know, I wouldn't say rememorating stuff, but, you know, we got you know, little bit reminders, you know, little stuff like that. So it was a, it was a recap of the character plots, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it, it had a bit of that feeling. So, uh, you know, it wouldn't have made sense, at least in my opinion, to do a full episode and then they arrive at the, uh, you know, the city yeah. island. So it would have been actually, spinning his wheels a little bit. Yeah, it actually makes me kind of suspicious. Like just the fact that, like, the, the only like exterior shot we get of the entire island, it's completely shrouded. In, you know, shadow. I mean, it's like you can't even it, oh, it could, you know, you could tell me it's just waves coming up over at them, you know, yeah. if if they didn't tell me it was the island there. And so I wonder if there's some reveal about, you know, something more to be revealed about the island like yeah. when we actually see it, because you would think he could have spent this entire episode with just being two page spreads of vistas of the island. Yeah, and we totally. all would have been. We all would have been perfectly satisfied with that and been like, yes, you know, the moment and that would have more been, you know, I think that would have captured more everyone's anticipation. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, he got down to business. That's kind of like what my initial reaction was. I was a look, like you said, Griff, I was a little disappointed, but it was mostly because I had such very clear expectations for what to expect from this reveal. And it was it was different. It was more full steam ahead, let's make progress here. But uh, I wanted to go back just really quick to the visual of the I-1 we see on page 2 and 3. Um, it's actually, it's partially occluded by the ship. There's one thing. Uh, you can't really see the peak of it. It looks like it's some either either that is the peak or there's some clouds kind of covering it up. But either way, yeah. the perspective, and we're only seeing one portion of the island. So my, my point of all this is Mira is not laying everything on the table like it was when we saw Falconia. When it appeared, we got this big bird's eye view of it. We kind of knew what to expect from the scope of the city. You know, here, 
nothing like that at all. Still quite a bit of mystery in terms of the size of it and the, the nature of it. Even the geography of it is a little bit varied here. Yeah, so. from a storytelling perspective, it makes sense. You know, that way he keeps the, the island mysterious. So both for the readers and for the characters. And at the same time, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure... Uh, you know, when I saw it like that, and I saw he didn't, uh, how to say, <clears throat> linger on it, I, I, I was pretty convinced that, uh, you know, he was keeping something, you know, up his sleeve for later on, and I, I still think it's the case. So, and yeah, like you said, the geography looks very, you know, I, I don't know how to say, chaotic, you know, it's not like, it's not neat or anything like that. So I think there'll be quite a bit of stuff for, or you know, a group to experience there. Actually, when I went... um my honeymoon was out in Ireland and, you know, Skellig is a, I think it's, um, Skellig Michael is the name of an island just off the southwestern coast of Ireland. And we, we missed the opportunity to do that by about six hours. Like we just missed the, the, the ferry boat out there to the island. And I still really regret it because I actually wanted to compare like shots of, you know, actual Skellig to Mira's Skellig as it's portrayed. But it, it is very rocky, as I recall. So there is some basis there for the geography. Anyway, we're talking about um, what the island might bring to the table itself, and we kind of get, you know, the biggest curveball we're thrown in this episode, apart from Mira turning the page on, you know, being here at the island, is, of course, the, the nature of time warping on this island. And, you know, if you've read the episode, you know what I'm talking about. It's that time occurs outside the island quicker, or you could say more slowly on the island, I guess you could say. So as long as they stay on the island, the time outside is going to move more quickly and of course we don't know the rate at which that's going to happen but you know we've all kind of had our own hand and our me and griffin azil have all kind of weighed in on how long we think that's going to be i'm i'm thinking like 15 years or so that's my bet my totally baseless bet i think griff you had joked about the 20 years later thing and azil you have i'm going with 20 20 (laughs) yeah make sure make sure that image makes some sense in the future Cash well, in it on won't that. because they're all older. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they're going to be the right. ones that aren't, older, presumably. So, damn it. <laughs> and Azil, you had the conservative vote with something like five or eight or something like that? I said between three and seven. Three and seven. Excuse yeah, me. And, and that's absolutely like, like that's really completely random. I just, you know. I think that's, a, I think that's more likely, actually. Well, yeah, I, th- I mean, me too, because uh, you know, while I pretend I just made it up, I actually thought very hard about it. Now, the thing is, uh, I figured, you know, that it was the time where things would be the most interesting. I think if it's longer, if it's shorter, it won't be very interesting, because it won't make much of a difference. But if it's yeah. longer, it will also be too drastic. Like, things will be too, like, I don't know, 20 years, for example, even just, you know, 15, it's like, yeah, so you see Rickert is like, you know, same age as actually older than Guts. Yeah. And uh, is that really interesting? Like, you know, what's the point of, you know, it could be. But uh, I'm guessing like something, I don't know, five uh, five to seven, you know, I don't know. That that seems like the proper thing. Well, I think if you look at like other time skips in the (laughs) series, it's like it doesn't really go beyond that mm-hmm. sort of time frame it's like yeah. two to seven years anyway so and that would make sense and plus if it was you know as much as i would love for you know my joke to be a prophetic yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know 20 years later it's almost as if the world would completely pass them by and they'd have no more relationship to it and then yeah. they're coming they're just disrupting what would be the established order of the world rather than a world that maybe is changing for the worse so Right. Yeah, that that it would be a little far afield if it was twenty years. 
I also have some image in my head of what Rickert would look like mid thirties, and it's not pretty. Like he's just got this like <laughs> wispy stash. Oh, it's not good. I mean, no, no. I've my my image of him was basically he's always going to look like he did when he was shooting the Rickert launcher, except he's going to have a <laughs> giant. You know, he's going to have like scruff and a cigar coming out of his mouth and a scar <laughs> over his face, and you know, it's going to be like. Oh, well, you're back. Yeah. <laughs> and Erica will look exactly the same as she always yeah, had. Yeah. So, yeah, that's interesting. You know, we always talked about, you know, them having a jump in time. I think the accepted term now is time skip. I'm not sure when that became a thing. Yeah. Makes me feel really old. But anyway, we kind of always I, – I kind of always thought that was going to happen just because the, some of the characters in the series are younger and it seems like Mira's planting the seeds for future. And also it makes sense for Falconia – to have some time to develop. We've always kind of expected that would happen. So, But Mir has kind of written that into the series already, but at the same time, it's not exactly how we thought it was going to happen. We thought it would be unilateral, or, but nope. Uh, Guts and his party presumably will be untouched by the passage of time. So it seems like it kind of Mir is putting his foot down in terms of will we see an older Guts at this rate? I don't think so. I, don't, I think that's kind of off the table. I mean, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, older yeah, guts. Would... No, I don't think so. However, like I'm still. To me, the fact we got this uh, so early on, and it's like, well, it's like that. But at the same time, <clears throat> the way the wording was, you know, uh, I wonder if there might not be exceptions or you know, like I don't know, special rules to this or ways to trick it. So I'm, I'm kind of you know hesitant to already uh, say, well, it's going gonna be like that and so on. So I, I'm not so sure. Like I think I still think. We Mira might find a way to uh, have the characters as a group age a bit. You know, I don't know if it's on the return trip or I don't know if it's you know uh, uh, you know one way or the other. But I get the feeling you know uh, there might still be a way for the character to age a bit. But yeah, will we see guts when he's like fourteen? No, no, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, and is it clear? Like, is it have we already you know like you said we don't know precisely how everything works. Is it possible they could also age in the process, or I forget? Is it was it made perfectly clear that they will not be aging while well, what, the rest what, of the world what is? What they say is that you know I, I I imagine they would actually it's not sure. No, it's not sure. The thing that's clear is uh, what uh, Isma's mom said is uh, staying on the island means you know eventually severance from the outside world. So okay, it would so mean, that like, would indicate yeah, time would flow. Like whether it's in one way or the other, you know, what's sure is the time would flow in, in such a way that they would, you know, stay. I imagine somewhat in temporal while the world moves on, and so so that's also- or or they cross the barrier back into the real world and suddenly they age eight years. Boom, 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 boom. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't think so, but I don't uh, think so. Either. <laughs> yeah, but in, yeah, in any case, you know, uh, what's sure is that it has some urgency to their stay on the island. You know, previously we well, saw. Well, maybe if they find a wormhole and they mm-hmm. can, you know, go through that, they'll use a black. Ne- no, never mind. Sorry. Well, then. you know, <laughs> I'll just say this: that you know, uh, some people have been arguing with me on the forum that you know, oh, why would we be told that? Uh, the elf king, you know, the king of the flower storm, can, you know, tress in time, that kind of stuff. Why would we be told if it was not, uh, would say, a hint about the Moonlight Boy? And, <coughs> well, that's one of the reasons we might have been told, because his powers could be used by the group, uh, you know, in order to achieve their goals. And uh, I think that will come into play uh, soon enough. What idiot sure. would argue with you about that? <laughs> yeah, I wonder. <laughs> 
I, it's it's beyond the scope of this episode, but since you brought it up, yeah. my my reading of that whole powers of the elf king, you know, transcending time, all that kind of stuff, like my reading of that just is that he has the power of a seer. He can see beyond time. You know, he can see into the future, into the past. As as one example, how Skull Knight knows about Gut's birth. Like that's a very specific piece of knowledge that I, I had I think had to have involved magic of some sort, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah of anyway. course, yeah. And anyway. I mean, yeah, this could even be some, like you said, he could be a seer. The island could exist in a strange nexus of time. It could be more than just time flowing differently. It could also be just, you know, yeah. that it exists out of time itself. Yeah, I, I think that's what uh, he's kind of hinted at. That's what I meant earlier, is that <clears throat> I don't think it's just, well, time is just slower here, you know? I think it's... Oh, my uh, God. Yeah, it really could be like the behind-the-book case from Interstellar. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Stop. I actually had that thought whenever Azia was talking about that. Yeah. No, stop this. But uh, it's the second Interstellar reference uh, recently. Yeah, well, oh. Interstellar didn't invent this fucking thing, you know, like. What? Yeah, it's existed in literature for you know. Why are we even having this conversation? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um. What was I gonna say? Yeah, but um, you brought up this point, but we didn't really elaborate on it yet, and that is that Elfhelm can't be considered a safe harbor forever. You know. Uh, that's sort of, I mean, that is kind of how we'd envision this to be like that guts would have, we didn't know what the impetus was going to be for them to leave the Island. Now we have a very clear one, independent of any other character action that happens. We have a very clear expiration date on how long the Island makes sense them to stay on. So, because like you said, Azil, anybody that stays behind on the Island might as well be written off the series as far as the main party is concerned, because they're not going to be of any, you know, play in the final battle so well i see well, I yeah that also he, oh never go ahead i was just gonna say even even then uh, jose when uh like even if they were to go back there after that you know it would still be like the, the jose the delay would be so big that you know it's not even sure the characters could meet up even after the end of the series so mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's kind of yeah I was going to say, I think that contributes to sort of your feeling of uh, what you expressed, Walter, about, you know, the the series growing up too fast on us all of a sudden because it's like there's already been a sort of a, a timer put on uh, yeah. their trip The here. gauntlet's been thrown for parts yeah. of the end of the series. The clock is already ticking. Yeah. Well, that being said, you know, it's all, I think it's really just a, a view of the mind, you know. The clock has always been ticking. It's just... Sure. Yeah, now now we we actually see the clock, I guess. Or I don't know. And that's what I mean. Yeah, we're 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 now discovering the means by which some parts of the story is going to be played in the future. And you know, this is this is a big piece of it. You know how time works. But uh, anyway, there's a lot of other stuff in this episode. That's just one that kind of you know is totally relevant for the rest of the series. You know, it makes it makes sense to spend some time discussing that time thing, but. Also, you know, one of the other bigger pieces to me was uh, one of the coolest pieces was learning about Puck's so-called origin story. So, like, the way this is told, you can't be 100% sure how real it is, but I don't know. The way it's told is kind of like a grain of truth to this because he starts telling this, like, very, you know, dramatic, uh, you know, story about how he was attacking this bird. And then you turn the page and you see how it actually happened. I like how the bird actually does have his foot kind of drawn up a little bit like he did in the dramatic one too, yeah. but obviously they're fighting over a fish. <laughs> so yeah, it's uh he basically got in a fight with a fish and then he ended up riding on top of it and then he fell asleep and peed on it and then it dropped him on a ship and then took yeah. him back to the, the continent. Mm-hmm. His 
according to this, is what happened. But it, it uh, further, you know, uh, Jose develops Puck's, you know, adverse relationship with Bird, which is interesting. That's right. Just you know, waiting to see how he ends up fighting against the Falcon of Light. <laughs> I like it. I do like how it's a reprise of Volume Fifteen, the the Crow. From it's, it's you know it's almost the same exact panels like you know instead of tearing out its hair he's drooling on it and hitting it or tearing out feathers in sleep and then he pees on it yeah it's nice but yeah I want to know what do you guys think of that because like what he doesn't address he might address how he got off of the island literally he's not addressing like why he may have left the island and also why he's not why he's been so suspicious or uh, what's the word. Um, I guess suspicious about mysterious, mysterious like, about this about his origins. Because sometimes they'll ask him questions about that stuff, and he'll just say, "You know, well, dot, dot, dot. you know." Yeah. There's one thing is I, I I'm not sure uh, we should be expecting too much in that regard because you know, like the, one of the key characteristic of elves and Puck especially is that they are mischievous and kind of you know how to say <clears throat> I wouldn't say random. But, you know, mm-hmm. there's not necessarily any big reasons or anything to their actions. So, you know, uh, could Puck sure. have just been like, could, could it just be an accident? Could he have just been out to grab some fish and just yeah, ended up on a boat? fell asleep on a bird and yeah. he ended up on land. And, and I was like, oh, yeah, well, I'll just, you know, stay on this ship and see the world. So, you know, I mean, it could be in a way. But, uh, you know, I also expect there to be uh, more to his uh, story sure. and his past. When we get to FM proper and uh, we see the other others, and they're like, "Well, what do you, what have you been doing? What have you brought us?" <laughs> you know? Yeah, es- especially if, uh, like he says, because he does comment on the fact that the greatest adventure of his life, you know, has been like just you know a moment, you know, on the island. So, like, sure. e- even though he might have been gone for I don't know a hundred years, and he brings back all these guys, people were like, "Well, what have you been doing? I've been waiting for you for five minutes," you know. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it might actually be uh, pretty funny to see that, you know. Like, I don't know, imagine he's got a wife at home or something like that. Mira could cook up a lot of, you know, very funny stuff. So I'm looking forward to that. Sure. I mean, yeah, Um, I mean, he'd sort of been setting up this prodigal son returns, you know. He's the, you know, we find out he's the the crown prince of, you know, the island. But then it could also just be like, yeah, he's he's just the same goofball that he always has been. I don't know. I, I've always kind of thought his "quote unquote" origin story would have something to do with the effect he's had on guts that that positive effect. Like maybe he tired of hanging out with elves and he wanted to learn more about humans or something like that. But that's just a stray thought that I've kind of had about him well, you and know, why he stuck stuck with guts all along. You know. Yeah, he's he's commented on that early on in the series, saying that yeah he wanted to see the world and guts was interesting or interesting things happened around him and that's why he mm-hmm. stuck around. But yeah, could he have like some hidden motives and be, you know, uh, secretly a secret agent of the forces of good trying to <laughs> save the world? I, I mean, I don't know, but uh, yeah. that might be a bit too intricate for him. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would, it would feel like a betrayal of the character if he just revealed himself to be, you know, Yoda at some point. Oh, like, yes, yeah. it, was, it was all intentional. But if it's just he is just naturally, this is how he is and this is how he positively affects the world and ends up, you know contributing in the saving of it you know that's a pretty uh poetic story yeah and it feels like really feeding of the character you know that like he he would contribute in a big way but by accident pretty much just by <laughs> yeah. like oh yeah well you know was there and uh yeah that, that feels like more like him yeah yeah 
Uh, the last thing I wanted to contribute there was that his grand story about fighting, you know, the albatross or whatever it is, is it doesn't actually align with what he said in the past. He said, I think he answered in the past why he left was he said he was bored, and here he's gets in a big fight with a bird over a fish. Yeah, why? Well, it's also possible he's just you know, straight up making it up. You know, I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, some of the other big highlights of this episode before we get into the page by page were. I mean, other people made a bigger deal out of this than I took it, but this one page, with this one panel reading we get with Farnese, uh, kind of her internalization of what Gut's plans will be once they finish their business on the island. You know, she kind of has this hopeful moment, like, "Oh, you're just going to drop Casca off, and then, and then what's going to happen?" You know, but yeah. I didn't. I don't know. That, to me, that wasn't much of an evolution beyond what she said in episode three oh three thirty one. I mean, she's still exactly where she was, and and how she perceives events to be. Yeah. But I guess what's notable to me is that it reminded me that she is in the dark on what Skull Knight said about the condition of Casca. You know, that's that's a complete curveball to the rest of the group. That yeah. that's what's kind of resting in Gut's head about what's what the island could bring. You know, no one else knows about that, and I didn't even think about that really. So, well, you so, know, yeah. um, how to say what I was gonna say? Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it, it actually doesn't change much, except you know, she does think that he'll leave Cascans and go, and you know, that's like you know, we'll say I think it just further you know uh, addresses you know what she think is going to happen. But yeah, as far as her feelings for him or anything like that. It's pretty much just a continuation of what's been going on for how many volumes now? I can't even remember, you know. So, yeah, it's not not that big of a deal. It just reiterates what we already knew. Instead of will they, won't they, it's won't they or how much won't they, unfortunately for Farnese. I, I think you addressed it. I can't remember which thread it was, Azil, but it was recently when you said basically once Farnese meets a restored Casca, she's going to have a lot to learn from her and – I'm. I mean, I can't imagine this. Where this whole fling with guts is going to go any any step forward at all. It's going to be more like she sees the woman that's with guts, and she sees she's going to have to think. Well, that makes sense, you know. And uh, I don't have a place like that with him, you know. Where she goes from there, I don't know. But uh, I don't know. I, this curveball. That's not a curveball. Where Miura is going with this dramatic angle, I, I can't quite see. But I also can't see it foretelling doom or anything for the characters. Yeah, so. and I also think she has a, a special relationship with Casca too, which oh, is going to be, yeah. which will be, it'll be kind of traumatic, you know, if that is sort of destroyed with Casca's revival. I don't know if she'll still have sort of a place helping her readjust, you know, <clears> to her life at that point, or you know, it's sort of, you know, the the torch has sort of been passed, where you know Farnese was telling guts. You know, to just basically let me handle her. You, your presence only upsets her. And Guts sort of had to take that. You know, and she felt bad, you know, that she said that. And he sort of was like, no, you're right, you know. Yeah. And so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out because she obviously has a special relationship and feelings for both of them. So she's really caught in the middle. I think it's possible that Farnese will be put in the scenario where she kind of has to be a bridge between – you know, the old Casca and the new Casca because she is the one that's most familiar with Casca. She's the one that Casca is most comfortable around. And, you know, she might be in a position where she'll have to navigate that or help navigate that passage back to the restored Casca, which will put her in a difficult scenario because of her feelings for guts. 
But anyway, just shooting the shit here. Don't really know. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, just to go back to what you said earlier, it's not really much of a curveball because, you know... I don't know. I, I don't think it is either. That Casca might be cured because actually uh, when the Skull Knight also took Gat and uh, Shiruken's bitch... Uh, they then, you know, said so to the group uh, in the in the volume. You know, it was it was added. So, oh really? Yeah, yeah. They have a, well, it wasn't added in the volume, but you know, after the page where Guts sees uh, Zard, you know, it comes back to the cabin, mm-hmm. and then there's that shot uh, of them saying, "Oh, really, Casca?" And you know, then uh, oh, yeah, says, right. yeah, the king is a legendary, you know, blah blah blah, and. Uh, he has great powers, that kind of stuff. So, <clears throat> because of the opening shot on that page, you know, uh, I forgot what episode it's in. I think it's uh, 238, I, I think. Anyway, um, you know, they've got a big shot where they all say, Casca, really? And yeah. is like, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I don't think it's that. But at the same time, you know, like we don't get the details and she might not, you know, remember everything. But... To get to the point, I think uh, I think they'll have to kind of rebuild the relationship, you know, Farnes and Casca, because obviously Casca is not at all the same person as she she is now. Mm-hmm. So I think there might be a bit of difficulty for Farnes and the others there, but I think in the end, you know, it will all work out. Yeah, I I agree. It's just I don't know what the vehicle for that's going to be, you know, the, from here to there kind of thing. Anyway, um, what I really liked about this episode visually was there's so many great group shots. And Azil, you were um, smart enough to compare one of them with the 2001 uh, New Year's postcard where they kind of have the old group as envisioned back in 2001 with what the group ended up being, you know, kind of. Yeah. Not that that, not that, that postcard was, you know, a one-to-one comparison of what was going to happen on Elf Elm, but, you know, you kind of get the idea, you know. Yeah, it's it goes pretty cool. Why well, that was funny because like 2001 is when the journey started, so yeah, it was nice to get a comparison of what Mira envisioned then and what's what's happening now. I can't believe Azan is still wearing that damn helmet. Like, good God, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. marching, he's ready to this. throw down, <laughs> still pretending, you know. Well, I, I wonder if he's really still pretending or not. He hasn't given anything away in his dialogue, really. Yeah. you know, yeah. Well, he's a stubborn old man, so, you know. <laughs> I actually like uh, Magnifico, you know, who's back mm-hmm. now. Was that we're back on land? His ambition is, uh, you know, flying up again. But <laughs> NPAC doesn't even remember that stricken a deal. That, yeah, you know, that but he still a- goes along with it. Yeah, that says a lot about what's going to happen. I like how Magnifico presumes that he can even overthrow the existing king. Like, yeah. it's just a, it's such a huge supposition. You know? Yeah, it's just, you know, he's figuring out he'll be able to play a role that he's, a, you know, from a good family or something like that. But yeah, it, it seems <laughs> completely deluded. Yeah. He can, he can already taste the gold after yeah. he sees all those rocks. He has the gold veins, I'm sure. I appreciate him as like this truly weaselly, cowardly character in every situation. <laughs> we get yeah. that sort of point of view. Yeah, he's very I consistent. I have a, an interesting question before we move on. Has the entire crew come to shore with them? Not, you can see him kind of waving them back, a lot of them back in one of the panels. Yeah, I, I think they just rolled them uh, to shore, but uh, yeah, then they went back to the, the ship. Mm. Yeah, so and, I mean, if, Robert, they, if they stay too long, 
you know, they're going to have to set sail at some point and give them up for dead, or, you know, they're going to come back to a bunch of gray beards. Well, now, because the, the ship, like the area around Is the it island, the... yeah, it's also affected. So the marrows and the ship are not uh, in danger. You know, Roderick actually okay. asks about that, and, uh, yeah, they're safe. They'll just be bored in, in the, on the ship while uh, the others have fun in the, in the forest. Yeah, Roderick's actually the first one to interject, like, wait, wait, wait a minute, what about my ship and my crew is the first thing, you know, what about the seahorse, he says, and then she clarifies about, you know, the nature of the island and the, the aura around it, all that kind of thing. Okay, um, I misunderstood, I, was there, I read that the shoreline was a little different, that you'd be, she meant that you were protected out there from the time change, I thought it meant that, you know, you were protected from it, as in, you wouldn't have your life, or you, time wouldn't be passing faster. When you're out My understanding there. was that it's in and around the island. Yeah. Was the way oh, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, that's what it means. It's uh, the that island and the era around it. So <clears throat> the ship is in the same time flow as the uh, rest of the group. Okay. Uh, while we're on that page with Roderick and, and them, um, <clears throat> Guts takes special attention to this notion of time passing and – I mean, this is this may be me, me reading in too much to it, but you know, he seems very like smiling and happy through the preceding pages, and then when he learns that, he gets this very serious look. And in that, that page with Casca's inner dialogue, you can see Dugas has this downcast look, you know, during the, those scenes. I don't know. Do you think this is me reading in too much into it? The guts demeanor changes when he learns that, or he's like inner, reflecting on what that might mean for his journey. No, I think it makes sense. Uh, I think it's not a coincidence. The thing is, and the fact, uh, finally, there reflects on that after after you know she hears it is also related it's just pretty mm. much i think guts you know until then like he focused on kaskan protecting her and uh put his revenge you know on the back burner but when he learns that like if he stays on the island it's for good mm-hmm. you know like that puts you know he, he can't just stay there five years and then go or he can't uh you know it's not possible you either you stay or you leave but you can't you know there's no alternative to that. So I think it's, uh, yeah. you know, and maybe he also expected to stay there for a while, you know, yeah. uh, taking a rest or I don't know. So it already yeah. isn't very restful. I mean, it's, you know, it's a, that's a restless feeling that you pretty much have to get out of there. The clock is ticking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I think he's just, you know, it's like learning the place you arrived at. Uh, just, you know, I don't just got bombed or something like that. You know, I mean, it's just things will not be easy. And so mm-hmm. I, I think that's what he's, you know, thinking about. When, when she says specifically that, you know, severance from the outside world, I think uh, we all know what he's thinking about. So, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yep, the uh, the balancing act he's doing between, you know, protecting and avenging is now becoming more tenuous the longer he stays here. Anyway, moving on. Um, these stones uh, that cover the, the horizon on page 12 and 13 – um, I think, Azil, you pointed out that they reminded you of Celtic designs. And yeah, yeah. I think someone pointed out that that was the case. So very cool. Makes yeah. sense, the Irish connection with the island, Skellig itself. Uh, I thought that was pretty cute, what they did with the way this magic works. Kind of a perception magic kind of thing. Uh, Isidro tries to just bolt ahead and then gets turned around. And uh, they have to use Puck to get through. And I like the, the panels with them kind of trailing along, kind of like a kid's game or something around the stones themselves. Yeah. So that was really cool. Well, the, yeah, the reference, I think it's Magnifico who says it's like the tale of the golden goose, you know. And uh, yeah, it's pretty funny. Mm. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a classic folk, folk tale. Well, you know, uh, I don't know if you know the story, but 
a guy gets a, <clears throat> a golden goose and because he, like he's just you know good hearted and people try because they're greedy try to get feathers from it and so some woman tries and she gets stuck so the guy keeps walking and she's like trailed behind the goose and he's going to show it to the king <clears throat> and uh, you know every time he passes people they try to grab on because they also want uh, their share of the gold and uh, it ends up with a long chain of people behind the guy <laughs> and he just walks as if nothing's, you know, the matter. And they are all being trained, you know, behind him. They can't get off, so it's a, <clears throat> it makes a long chain of people. So, yeah. <laughs> That's funny that Miro makes that reference. But it does make sense. And the look on Magnifico's face when he says that is pretty funny, too. He's just, like, counting his goal already. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we also get our first glimpse already of, of witches that are not Shirke and Flora. So... Pretty big deal. Uh, someone commented that they look even younger than Shirke. I think it's too early to say right now. All we see is just the outline of them and then the lower part of one's face. Really difficult to tell. But they do look young, certainly. I'm expecting um, them. Yeah. yeah, I think I'm the one who said so, actually. And uh, Really? I don't yeah. know. And, uh, well, I did say so. Maybe someone else did, but I did say no, so. No, I believe you did. I'm just saying I don't know. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I, I expect... Um, Actually, I expect them to be even younger than her, than Shuruke, you know? So, I don't know why, but I think it would be funny. I think yeah, th- th- there's some it kind would, of... It would make sense for Shuruke. I mean, it would make sense that this is kind of, you know, in a way, a game for them. But also that, you know, she would be a little bit more experienced and have, you know... Hopefully, she'll have some advantage over them so that they can, you know... Yeah. So that they can't really stop them from passing by, too. So it makes sense in that way. Uh, yeah. But isn't it weird that, I mean, all we're seeing are these child, you know, witches? It's well, like, you know, it makes me think of, like, child soldiers, <laughs> you know, that they're employing on this island. Well, I think they're just, I don't know, I, I think they're just, yeah, juniors and there's some, you know, more senior uh, witches uh, somewhere, which uh, will probably call them back to real, like, uh, pretty much like Fora did for, for Shiruke, you know. Or maybe just Shiruke will... Uh, outsmart them and then they'll be oh finally and they'll see their elves and they're like well mm-hmm. we'll take you to the place you know yeah or it could be like what happened uh, pretty much it, I mean it's already mirroring what happened at Flora's it could be the same way where their uh, their seniors sort of put a stop to this well, mm-hmm. this mischief on their part I, I would you know I would be more I would expect there to be a twist and not for things not to just be a repeat of what happened before maybe because of the magical properties of the field or maybe for some reason because from what we understand this field was already there when in Puck's time so yeah 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 well, ex- that was only five minutes ago so yes <laughs> <laughs> the um <clears throat> in volume 24 we got a little brief brief glimpse at a wizard uh swatting at Puck who was carrying off some uh, yeah. something from a man's table. Yeah. So we, we know there's not just you know small young witches. They're also wizards. Yeah. I, believe, film pres- I believe it was a, a, a flask of you know probably oh, was it? Li- liquor or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like how the scarecrow kind of looks like a Dark Souls enemy, <laughs> just all the tattered robes and everything. Yeah, I think scythe. like like you said, it reminds me of. Uh, the guys uh, Shiruke helped free, you know, the souls of the mm-hmm. uh, hanged people. Exactly yeah. the same. The face is exactly the same. So, well, yeah, at, yeah, it, that... it, at least it looks close. Not exactly, but yeah, it looks close to it. Very similar. I mean, it calls to mind. It calls it to mind. Well, I mean, 
that's pretty much all the big ones I was going to discuss. There's still tons of speculation we can do about this episode, so I wanted to know if you guys want to do a page-by-page and then end with a looking-forward kind of section. Sure. We have already covered a ton of the page-by-page stuff, but uh, let's just go ahead and jump into it anyway. Um, I do like how it opens. In my head... I kind of I'd always envisioned Estidro being the one because him him being young and impatient and like you can kind of sense that he would be the one looking for the most you know closely at the horizon. Uh, the he young wants kid. to be the one to spot it. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Also, it's like, are we there yet? You know, that kind of attitude, kind of thing. Uh, also, in this page and on page four, Mira is using this cutaway technique uh, where it kind of focuses in on one character's reaction. Uh, showing the same kind of similar motion uh, as in other panels, but kind of focusing in really closely. He's done it before, but I've actually, I don't recall seeing it used to this extent or this level of almost redundancy on page four, where we see Guts looking surprised, and then we see him looking surprised a little bit closer. You know, that's that's a newer technique for Mira, I think, at least the way it's being used here. Uh, well, he's done it before, like you said. I don't know if it's that different, but uh, yeah, maybe I guess uh, on page four, the difference between the two panels is not that big, I guess. But, uh, but yeah, I- not even just that, like the way it's being overlaid like that without a panel border and the fact that it is a similar face. I don't know. It, I've, it's not a comic technique I see used very often, and, and certainly not with Mira too often, but. The well, fact that I mean, we kind of two similar Yeah, but ones. he's he's done it before for sure. I've seen it. I, like, I know he's done I, it I, I couldn't list you pages or anything, but uh, yeah, it's not like he's done it uh, a few times before at least. I think mm-hmm. the purpose is, uh, you know, when you you first you notice the the bigger face, you know, more expressive. You see the sort of look of awe and you know surprise on his face as he sees it, and then we get to see his commentary, and you know, it's kind of a similar face, but I feel like he's kind of breaking more into, you know, a yeah. conscious reaction, you know, he's sort of, it's almost a smile is coming on, and he's yeah. just commenting, and we get to That's see true. his There's body language. Them. Yeah, I think it's meant to be, like, much like for Isidro, it's meant to be two different faces, but it's true mm-hmm. on page four, it's not, like, immediately evident, because the shape of his mouth and uh, his expression is uh, relatively similar. Like, the angle's a bit different, so it's hard to, to make a difference between the two, but yeah, I think... The close-up is meant to be his initial reaction, where he's like, I don't know if it's our or anything, but that's what it looks like, and then his comment on it. Right. On page two, um, we see a pretty decent shot of uh, the seahorse, and I actually wondered if this would be one of the last times, if ever, that we see the seahorse. You know, presumably they won't be returning off to the continent. You know, um, uh, I actually wonder about that. You know, like. Okay. In- the fact that there's a, a you know going to be a jump in time, mm-hmm. uh, it made me wonder if they will would be returning through magical means to the land, or if you know, after all they would be returning by ship, and we would just not get to see the return trip, you know, because that's also something sure. that can be done. They can also embark on the ship. We get uh, you know some view of the world, Falconia. We catch up with I don't know the Bakaraka and Rickert, and then bam, they arrive. So it, it could be you know just skipped like that. So actually. Yeah, I don't know. I, I've been wondering about that, you know. Uh, this whole, you know, time flow on the island uh, deal, I think might mean that we get to see them return through the ship. Because it would also be, like, you know, when you think about it, would Roderick, if the, if Roderick is to accompany them, would he just leave without his ship? I don't think so. At the same yeah, time... Yeah, and his crew. 
Yeah, at the same time, would he just, yeah, I don't know, just, you know, get back on the ship and we never see him again? All this kind of stuff, it's, uh, I don't know, I think it's got to be addressed eventually. It does so. suggest it, whereas if, you know, they, if, if they had gotten there and the island's defenses had, you know, shipwrecked them, yeah. obviously that would have changed things. But, you know, yeah. and it could be both. It could also, you know, rather than them returning by some, you know, magical means, it could also be that, you know, they end up going away with a, you know, a talisman that's like, this guarantees nothing interesting or eventful will happen on your trip back. And that there's no need <laughs> to pay attention to it. You know, so yeah. it could be something like that. They could also get uh, like some strong wind or whatever. Right? Yeah. There's also... Some sort of magic power to help get them there quicker. Yeah. There's also Isma's case where she's, she's with them on the island. But like obviously her element is the sea. So is she just gonna, you know, there's also that, that case, you know, there's, you know, uh, Roderick, uh, Isma, Magnifico, all these guys, we, we gotta know what happens with them. So, yeah, I'm not so sure about the, the seahorse. Okay. Yeah, I just wondered to get to see, we get to see this big dramatic shot of it and just didn't know when we'd be seeing it again. But you're right that Roderick's, in particular Roderick's case, needs to be addressed because... The original arrangement was for him to just drop them off before he returns back to East, presumably, or Eth, presumably. Yeah. But now, do not know, do not know. And Isma, yeah, that was one thing we didn't talk about here. But you know, Mira addressed a lot of these questions we had very rapidly in terms of what's going to happen with certain characters. Isma makes her decision, or she now she has an option of being with the group while also returning to her mother and you know her people whenever she wants to basically with the charm that her mom gave her. Yeah, what what do you what do you make of on of that uh, seashell? Because I didn't think much about it, really. To me it means uh, that there will be, you know, like it's not going to be useless. She's Oh, gonna, well, it, yes. So yes. that means, you know, because uh I've seen a lot of people like they just speculate, oh well, maybe they arrive and apostles will be there. Or maybe there'll be this and that, but I think like the island itself, the island is you know separate from Elfhelm, you know, to me at least in my mm-hmm. view. So uh, Elfhelm might be, I wouldn't say in danger, but you know people might need their help with something that's from the island. You know, I don't know, some kind of monster could have crawled up or whatever. So I get the feeling that they might have some tribulations of, of some sort on the island. It won't just be coming in and just putting their uh, feet on the table and and that's it. So, yeah, I wonder what it will be used for. I think... And uh, yeah, we, we did already, I mean, there's been speculation that, you know, Guts will have to complete some sort of trial and it could be as simple as, you know, like, hey, we have a problem, we need you to take care of this for us. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah, that's what I'm... I mean, that's kind of what uh, I meant. So, yeah, and, uh, yeah, that's, you know, I think uh, the seashell will be useful in such a case. That being said, uh, Elfhelm is presumably deeper into the island, that being not near the sea, so I'm not sure how much help Meros could be in the ocean. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. But yeah, I I also had the same thought. The fact that she's giving her this communication charm implies that she will have need of it eventually, you know. Yeah, There's they, another sea god. They could, they could, <laughs> they could, you killed my brother. Yeah. They could also be the ones uh, who will contact her to ask for the group's help. It's also possible. 
Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah, you know, saying, cool. oh, the ship's under attack. Uh, we need you to come back right away. It's that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, moving forward, I did like Guts is very, um, what's the word? He seems energized to me in this section. You know, uh, he's, I think he's happy. I mean, I'm reading into it quite a bit. He seems happy to me that they finally reached their destination. And for, with good reason. It's been a long journey for him. But he just seems a little happier to me than normal. That's all I'm trying to get across, really. Yeah, well, I, I agree. Actually, we see there's quite a few shots of him smiling. He yeah. thanks uh, his friends from for helping him just, you know, get this far. He laughs at uh, the little, you know, trials they have to take to get through the defenses because it's mm-hmm. just ridiculous and that feels like <laughs> back to him. You know, it's just... So all that stuff, it feels... Even as he cuts down the, the thing... Uh, Jose the Scarecrow, you know, that was attacking uh, Isidro. He seems, I don't know, he doesn't seem pissed off or angry. Or he doesn't even seem serious about it. He's like just, I don't know, even in that he makes, shot. He makes a comment like an annoyed parent, like, are you ever going to learn? You know, you always get into this shit, you know. Yeah, it's, uh, Isidro. I don't know, he's, he does seem to be pretty in good mood, in a good spirit. Yeah, yeah. Well, and yeah, they're where they wanted to get to, and he's with people also. I mean, he's you know commented on this several times, and I think you know the proof is sort of in the pudding. You know, he's with people that he likes and respects. You know, like even someone like Roderick. You know, I think they have a very good you know camaraderie at this point and mutual respect for each other and you know what they do. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind a guts Roderick buddy cop. Kind of thing. Yeah, you know, it's not they're not just like with each other out of convenience anymore. They actually seem to, you know, genuinely also like yeah. each other. Really like the shot on page six, the group shot as they get on the little boat heading to the to the island. Because there's just so many dense things happening there. You know, a Sidro at the prow, you know, with his knee up, looking all George Washington like with Puck sitting on the the front the front there. <laughs> uh Shirke commenting on the Sidro, you know, careful you don't fall in and then Casca playing with a mirror, all these things that are happening. It's just really cool to see all the characters being animated like that. Yeah. It's a really small shot. And there's several group shots like that that really uh, was a, were cool to see, you know, particularly um, the one um, right before they get to the stones where the group is looking at the horizon, you know, what, what's going to be on the horizon before they see the stones. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of that shot. It's uh, one of the posters, I think, in volume 27. We used it uh, back in the day for the front page of Skullnider.net. You know, where it's a group walking up a hill towards oh, the yeah, yeah. with the sun. It, it kind of reminds me of the chat. That yeah. It's just that same, you know, I would, wouldn't say a hopeful feeling, but, you know, it's, uh, it's pretty nice. I really like that, uh, that poster, and I, that's what it reminds me of. Sure. <clears throat> We kind of covered a lot of this stuff already in terms of Isma's mom, Puck's Puck's story. I do like how Puck's story. I, got, I wanted to reiterate the way it's visualized, kind of the, the cool, stylized knight armor that he's wearing, the fairy knight armor. Very cool. Yeah, it's actually then, pretty course, neat. I, I would like him to actually be wearing that kind of armor. It's pretty nice. Yeah, yeah. Also, you know, the contrast between well, that dramatic drawing and that one we see is, on the following page. His little prickly, like it even has like a sword, you know, like hilt, you know, and everything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and at the bottom, it's like this is so, so exaggerated. 
It's so a, yeah, I don't I don't think he really will ever have anything like no. that. It's a glorified thing. I think what what's gonna be funny is when we get to the place and we see that every elf is wearing clothes and they're like, Dude, why are you why are you naked all the time? <laughs> you know? <laughs> so that's uh some things that would be funny to see. Anyway to one thing we didn't talk about is uh, when the Isma's mom mentions the uh, time flow and all that stuff. Uh, Shirk is actually reminded of uh, a story about that, and uh, Isidro as well. And that story kind of takes us back to Picard's story that uh, Rosin has had heard from, you know, and what had motivated her to actually sacrifice and become an apostle. So I see. I thought that was a, a cute, you know, uh, reference. Absolutely, yeah, and also the fact that it kind of gives a variance to PCAP's story. It's slightly different, and the name PCAP isn't mentioned, so you kind of have to be the kind of person that catches those things first time to realize that. But uh, the design is there, the outline of PCAP is there, similar to how it was shown mm-hmm. in Volume 15. Yeah, and well, it's true, the story is also different, but as I said, you mm-hmm. know, that's also what's nice is that it mirrors the whole uh, folktale we're told back in the day, where, like, pretty much from one place to another, the same tale would have a different ending, a different protagonist, different, you know, like, it's the same tale, but it just varies. And mm-hmm. so, like, it's funny that there's a tale about uh, an elf place where time flows differently, and that has many variations, but it actually is rooted in in fact, and uh, that fact comes from health. Um, and maybe, like, it will be a different thing there, but, you know, yeah, I, I thought it was pretty neat. And, I, like, I don't expect there to be any deeper meaning or deeper reference or anything like that. It's just a, that thing. But, uh, yeah, it was nice nice of Mirad to do that, I think. Well, it's an interesting callback to sort of, you know, a confirmation of the reality of that. You know, we already you already assume it's not just a story, but that there is, you know, something more to it at the time, you know, because obviously we're familiar with the supernatural in the series, but it's just interesting sort of like, oh, here's how it would actually have worked and that places like that do exist. Yeah. So and I mean, it, it that's did change, a cool little thing to have. I mean, it did change our, I mean, at least my, you know, reading of that scene because that whole the original Picaf story that when he came back, you know, on hundreds of years had passed and everyone he knew was gone. You know, that always seemed just like a fantastical element to a story. While I did think there was yeah. a grain of truth to it, I never really bought that part of it. I thought that was just something to make it's just it's, it's how some stories go, you know, whereas now that's yeah. grounded, you know. Well, yeah, it was always a fairy tale, but now we sure. know the fairy tale. Actually, you know, like on the fairy island, the fairy tale might exist. Or does and exist. also, maybe I'm misremembering things, or these are just you know bad translations. But uh, there was reference to you know the house in the forest that uh, Flora lived in. You know, sort of her and the house existing outside of time, or the normal flow of time. You know, and well, could, could this be related to that? Is it that she was really that she's really so old, or was she just sort of putting herself in a place where the world was aging, you know, faster than she was? Uh, yeah, I, she, I, she, go ahead. Now I was gonna say, I think uh, what she meant is that her domain was in the astral world, and so like the specific properties of that place, and I think that properties, we don't really know if it's she went there because it had properties, or if she. Like her influence created it, but basically yeah. that place, yeah, was you know like she uses you know wording like that, but what it's supposed to mean is that like it could the, just be semantics. It's not really you know yeah, referencing it's, it's just this that phenomenon. Life 
you know, like the tree was, you know, a thousand years old and she herself was very, very old. So I think what it implies that, yeah, they're past their time. And in that place, they can exist, you know, at that age because of the special properties of the place. You know what I mean? But uh, I don't think time flows differently, but because it's, you know, tied to the astral world, it allows, you know, a prolongation of life based on what's natural. Mm. Well, the way Flora talks about it, it actually sounded more like it was an active thing on her part. She talks about it being forbidden, that what she'd done to extend her life. And so I don't think it was merely the fact that she hung out near this old tree and time warped as a result. I think it was something she was able to do to extend her life. That's what it always sounded like to me. What what I meant was uh, the astral part of it. But uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think action of her part was required in any case. Right. It would be interesting if Skull Knight was frequently visiting her and, you know, Elfhelm and this was happening. So every time he sees Guts, for him, he sees Guts every, you know, five minutes. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, for Guts, it's months apart. That was one of my older theories about Skull Knight was that when he comes, he kind of goes out into the world to do whatever he does. And then he comes back to like a period of stasis to prolong his life, you know, because he seems to only come out. We only see him on action moments. You never see Skull Knight, you know, <laughs> sharpening his sword, for example. You know, he usually comes out for big stuff and goes away. Yeah, probably the closest to that was when we we would see him hanging out with Flora. You know, like when mm-hmm. they departed, and then when, uh, and also when he he you know he just comes and goes as he pleases, and he was back there looking at the armor. That, yeah. That's like the closest thing to him sharpening his sword, I guess that we uh, that we got. Yeah, taking the tea with Flora. But that being said. Like before he had the sword or before he used his, you know, special sword technique. Like he couldn't just get from one place to another instantly. So he at least had to, yeah. to travel, you know. And I, I mean, traveling, I don't know if his horse can run on water. And <laughs> I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if he could. But yeah, I don't think he just like went to Eltham every every week or anything like that. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, the the the, the practical The practical aspects of that. Are and there's also, yeah, there's also another aspect is the fact he's so very old and to the point where he's like barely human anymore, which is something Flora comments on, uh, and the armor and everything like that. I wouldn't expect him, like it would be a bit cheating if he just, uh, you know, had stayed on the island and that whole he could, you know, skip, uh, you know, ahead a thousand years mm-hmm. as, as opposed to being out in the world and watching it all slowly pass by. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'd be fine with that either way, to be honest. But uh, I totally see where you're coming from on that one in terms of that. I mean, it, to me, it would make a lot of sense. Oh, man, I missed my chance on year 216. Let's wait for another 216. Let's sit, sit here on my couch <laughs> for a little bit. Anyway. Uh, yeah, I think I'm still moving forward. We've really gone over a lot of this stuff page by page already. Uh, what I wanted to jump to was on page 14 if you don't mind, is when Shirke talks about uh, the significance of these stones that they're here on the island as a barrier. And Puck says that he doesn't recognize them. And then Shirke puts two and two together and determines that they were placed here to ward off, you know, humans that might come to the shore. But uh, she actually talks in very specific terms, at least in the translation that we have access to right now. And it made me wonder, like Shirke is on the ball. We know she knows what the hell she's talking about in general, but, it was my understanding that she actually didn't know exactly what had happened to the world back then because they've been on an island and they've been on a ship for presumably months. 
they haven't seen a one-to-one change in the world. She just knew that the sea god suddenly appeared. But she's talking about things as if she knew the world had changed, that the world, the astral world, and the physical planes had merged. Like very specific terms for this without her having an outside example to prove that out. So, Well, I, I mean, I think, uh, I think it works for her probably anywhere in the world, whether she's out to sea or, you know, on the solitary island. She can probably recognize, you know, the change after, you know, it's been described a few times as like that wind blowing through. And, mm-hmm. you know, changing things. I mean, for her, you know, she can probably see that distinction, you know, anywhere. She doesn't need to be uh, <laughs> on land. Well, you know, the thing is, um, like, she didn't get it at first, or at least we didn't actually see her put two and two together. But I'm thinking after what happened with the Sea God, and they have been traveling yeah. with the Meros for a while, and we actually didn't see, like, presumably... You know, there's quite a while that's elapsed since they started traveling with them and, and all that. So I'm thinking she could have, you know, you know, made that deduction or at mm-hmm. least understood more profoundly what was going on at that point, you know, in a part we didn't see. So I think that might also serve to uh, highlight that, yeah, she kind of gathered up what, you know, uh, what happened. That being said, I also think, like, we probably would need to have a more serious translation uh, sure. to, to be sure, you know, uh, of what's going on. Because, like, it could easily be... Like, she, her tone might not be so uh, authoritative about it uh, in the, you know, original Japanese. So, yeah. The one instance I can think of where she might... Apart from the sea god and all that was I believe she's traveling in her um what's the word? Astral body. I can't remember the yeah. exact luminous body. her luminous body. Body of light, yeah. There you go. Where uh she sees uh like a bird as a bird she sees like a, a a fish get eaten by another fish and this giant sea monster comes out and eats that fish. Remember that yeah. scene? I think it's yeah. volume thirty three or That's 34. like the yeah the first time they're at sea. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it kinda implies that Obviously, there's more changes afoot here. And then, they, of course, they encounter the sea god and all that stuff. So I'm just thinking of other examples where she'd be exposed to things to confirm that. Yeah, so, the, the anyway. sea god and the Maros, who are also uh, right. magical beings. Like, I mean, it's what's seeing uh, the trolls and augers, and there was slan in there. So, you know, it, it kind of get explained away. But then, you know, when there's more and more and more... Uh, at some point, she, I think she gathered up that the whole world had changed. It's not just a localized phenomenon anymore. Yeah. Also on that page, you know, it's really almost a nominal barrier that they encounter here because they go by – Shirke puts two and two together so quickly, uses Puck to get through. You know, if they didn't have Puck, presumably it would have been a lot more difficult to get past this little, you know, island yeah. riddle. But she does it with the snap of her fingers basically, you know. Well, it's also because so. it's uh, like it's something she's also so familiar with because it's very mm. similar to what uh, Flora, you know, put together for a mansion. So that's how it would, it could be so easy for her to do. I think it's just, I mean, it's like when you see someone using your old tricks and you're like, dude, like <laughs> you're not gonna fool me with that. And yeah. to, to me, that seems pretty much even Ivar like comments on him, so comments on it. So I think it's uh, yeah, it's actually pretty cool to see. You know, again, it's like, I don't know, it's like uh, Sepiko trying to attack Guts and just being like, wow, he could do that. And Guts is like, yeah, dude, I mean, just <laughs> not going to work. 
Yeah, I mean, I didn't really think of this episode from Shirke's perspective, but she must be pretty excited too. I mean, she's about to encounter a whole new world of magicians that she's, you know, never experienced before. You know, growing up around Flora and now to see this much bigger world. So, well, yeah, interesting. what's interesting to me is, <coughs> sorry, we like we know she's from Flora and everything. We know she's kind of a genius at magic, you know, she's <coughs> gifted or something. And also because she's learned from the like presumably someone who's very very good, <coughs> and so far like we've seen her uh, confront Daiba, but Daiba was a very specific case because his abilities were limited in some ways, and he used uh, Kundalini. Uh, I wouldn't say as a crutch, but like that where his power came from, and he was also at Ganishka. So it was a very specific use of magic. Like I would say, it was not uh, conventional like what she's doing, but here she's really coming across people who have the same like classical training she she does you know so it's mm-hmm. uh that's what makes it so interesting i mean to me in the next episode i i'm hoping that aside from guts mowing down these scarecrows which you know i would imagine won't be too much trouble to him except if the field has other properties and i know they adapt to whoever they're facing or more stuff brought up but uh yeah I, I would expect her to actually uh how to say, analyzes the situation, finds out where it's coming from, and just, like, cuts the ties and makes the puppets, you know, fall down with a threads mm-hmm. cut, and then sees, like, it's coming from there, these guys there, you know, that kind of stuff. So it will be interesting to see her facing off against these three, three guys. Yeah, and also, kind of, kind of re- reading between the lines of what you said, one thing that wasn't explicitly said was, we're about to learn how far along she is as a magician. You know, we've only really seen Flora, her abilities, and Shirke's abilities. We don't know what the average magic user is. So she could be something <laughs> like a prodigy. I am, in fact, I am, I'm, I'm sure she will be. Yeah, yeah. The rest I, of the magic users. I expect her to whoop these guys' asses, you know. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and it then, wouldn't make a lot of sense if it was otherwise. Yeah, and then some old dude with a big beard will be like, you know, what's going on here? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, my uh, my initial puck and get angry. Yeah, oh, it's you. What have you brought back again? You know. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be the same wizard that we saw in a little flashback. Yeah, yeah. You know? where's my alcohol? Bring me back my booze. Yeah. Yep. Looking at the rest of the pages, we've really covered a lot of stuff. I like how Asidro just had to grab the pumpkin. He couldn't leave it alone. He saw a pumpkin. He had to pick it up. Yeah, you know, what's pretty funny is when you read this episode, Isidro is just like, he's the same as always, of course, but he's relentless. Like, he mm-hmm. sees the thing first, he's first on the on, on the little boat, he's first to touch land, he runs up the hill, he tries the thing, even though they tell him to, and every time Shirk is like, uh, be careful, don't be reckless, be careful, don't be reckless. and he does it every time, and he, like, even in the very end, he still does it. And it's yeah. just, you know, I mean, <laughs> this guy needs, uh, you know, a slap or two. So um, the page where we see them crossing through, uh, actually, it's really, what it really is, is the first time we see the, the witches. We see on the horizon kind of the landscape changing. You know, they crest, they see the group cresting the hill where the stones are all over the place. And then it kind of fades into this scarecrow, you know, pumpkin patch area. Uh, so you're seeing the surroundings change as they get closer to the, uh, you know, presumably the center of the island. How how close do you think Elfhelm is? Do you think it's like just on the other side, or there are more barriers? Like, what do you what are your guys' expectations for after this scenario here? 
Well, I think well they've field- covered a lot of ground, it looks like, because, I mean, you can just mm-hmm. see how far it stretches uh, beyond where uh, the little witches are staring out from on their perch. And, I mean, I would imagine that this is obviously representing, you know, yet another outer barrier. You know, it seems like they're getting mm-hmm. closer, but I still think there's probably a little walk through the forest before you get there properly. Because, I mean, yeah. I don't imagine that, you know, the, it seems like these kids are sort of acting on their own to try to defend the area. And at least that's uh, my speculation. I think you guys. I, I don't think they're even thought. doing anything necessarily. They're just commenting. Yeah, I don't think just, they've actively done anything. Yeah, they're just observing. Yeah, but I mean, I think they are going to try, and you know, I don't. I don't expect them to just run away. I mean, sure. it, they're they're probably going to step up. But I mean, this is this seems like it's somewhere between, you know, they see these people as you know intruders that need to be dealt with, and you know, it's almost also mischief. You know, it's yeah. like I don't know if they're playing or if they're defending, you know, their territory or how they how they quite see it. You know, somewhere somewhere in there though. But I don't. I think it's still going to be a ways till they get to Elf. Yeah. You know, I was going to say, if this island is, I don't know, the same size as Corsica, for example, which is probably what people consider a medium to small size island, it's still like uh, 50 kilometers across, you know, and 100 on the other direction. So the thing is, like, yeah, they could walk. There could be. Uh, you know, a 10 kilometer of walk before they get to the village. Like, it wouldn't be, it would still be an island lost at the, in the middle of the sea. wouldn't be a big deal. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't expect there to be, like, the village to be just over the hill. I think they'll be walking a ways, you know, across. And I also don't think the thing will be too small or too dense. I think it will be spread around. Maybe it's just in the forest, you know, there's trees and they live in trees or whatever. I don't expect... <clears throat> Elves to have little huts or anything like that. So, yeah, I think they'll be walking uh, uh, quite a ways. Should we should we put it in terms of how many episodes till they get there? <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm saying at well, least two more. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. Well, two, two two more actually sounds sounds fine to me. Two more episodes before we get in the city or the town city. What are we gonna call this thing? City? Well, village. No, city. Village. Is not lay. Yeah. <laughs> Village. Uh, yeah, two sounds right. I'd even say one and a half, really. But sure. I mean, it well, depends on how well, quickly they mm-hmm. dispatch with the scarecrows, make introductions, and then begin walking back with, you know, I presume their new uh, acquaintances. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It could be longer than that. You know, I, I mean, yeah. don't let, uh, Jose, don't, don't let the pace in this episode. Which was, like I said, they are right. Well, that's the thing. They could end up, you know, that's why I said at least two, because they could end up, you know, there could be a neat little magic battle here that maybe it goes on for two episodes just by itself before they make introductions and begin walking. Yeah, I meant that more for for Walter, actually. (laughs) Okay. But, uh, yeah, and uh, one thing we didn't talk about is the field, the field itself. I really like how it's done, you know, it likes, it looks, I mean, it doesn't look natural. Mm. You know, when I didn't really think about it. When Isidro and Isma are looking at it, like if you if you look at it from the the witch's perspective, you know they are in Hotse, uh, they are over the trees and they see the group oh. standing there. But when you look from Isidro and Isma's perspective, it looks like it goes on forever. You know. Yeah, you're right. They should in the shot with Isidro and Isma, yeah. they should be able to see the trees from their perspective. You're yeah, right. Yeah. But they see nothing, just an endless field, mm. and it looks very. I don't know. It, it doesn't look. Doesn't look, you know, like all the the ways the leaves are looking in the field. It looks very 
I don't know, uh, ethereal or otherworldly, but not. It seems to be, you know, like it looks magical to me. Just, you know, just yeah, an illusion. That. Yeah. So yeah, ho- hopefully the first of many, you know, magical-looking things to come as they explore the island a little more. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I expect so. And I also don't expect the scarecrows to be the only thing to to happen in this field. You know, I mean, that's kind of the initial adversary, but I, I can easily see other things happening as a result of them being in this field. Oh God, we rise. No, I mean like. <laughs> I would I like know. the pumpkins to, you know, the vines to start grabbing them. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was expecting. Jack-o'-lanterns will start attacking them. Yeah, actually, uh, I also thought, you know, or at least wondered if yeah, the pumpkins wouldn't, like, start tr- trying to strangle them and, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. That would be... Something that Magnifico would have to deal with. <laughs> something <laughs> small like that. Give him something to do. Well, actually, it would uh, give uh, Isidro and, uh, I mean, all the others something to do. You know, the, the plants really start coming alive and being aggressive. I think you know, be... as has been pointed out a few times, that's a very dangerous weapon to give Isidro the fire a dagger. You yeah. can, like, <laughs> just light the whole island. <laughs> you know, it's just like, yeah. uh-oh. <laughs> well, at least he could uh, give the scarecrows a run for their money. Yeah. I can't remember where it was. It might have been this form, might be somewhere else, but someone was talking about why the king might help them. It makes sense. I kind of understand the objection. You know, why would the why would this powerful almost deity like lend his hand out to to help this, you know, crazy woman and this swordsman? But I don't know, like the bigger picture to me, like if Skull Knight is there to kind of explain Guts Travels and who he is and also, if the king knows the state of the world and Guts' particular grudge against one of the leaders of that new this new era, and it makes sense that he'd be helping that group pro- make well, progress. Also, yeah. I mean, for all we know, the king is the one telling Skull Knight who Guts is. You know, all the yeah, time. sure. I mean, sure. you know, it could be. So, I mean, I don't really. I think it's understood. I mean, it seems like it's pretty well understood by every sort of authority for good that we've seen in the series, whether it be Skull Knight or Flora. And, you know, it's hinted at, you know, upcoming that, you know, that Guts is a big deal <laughs> and that people know that, you know, they know he's more than just the main character for us, that he is an important figure. I, I think without even going that far, why wouldn't he help them? You know, I mean, elves, yeah. elves are fundamentally good beings. And as we've seen with Puck and Ivarela, you know, they're just going to help people, you know, because it's their nature. So mm-hmm. why would it, wouldn't the guy help them? We have traveled so far, and he would just say, "Ah, you know, I don't just leave my island." It just doesn't. It doesn't feel right to me. I mean, what reason would he have? What if you know? What if what Guts is asking is actually kind of a big ask? Or as we've talked about multiple times in the past, what if the power that he would use to that is fixed? You know, like we learned from uh, Cheech. Well, yeah. I mean, th- that's where. Uh, you know, something more classical might come into play, like, well, yeah, I'll do it, but I need you to do that for me first. Sure. That kind of stuff. I mean, it could, it could have a hotel component like that, or it could just be, I need time to prepare, or I need this ingredient, or, you know, <laughs> if I do this, then uh, I need a good reason, whatever. But, I mean, I don't think they come and the guy will be, like, his first response will be, no, I won't do it because I don't want to, because I have... Like I'm not obligated to do it for you. I don't. I don't like. He's got a no solicitors sign on his door. <laughs> yeah. You know? So it's like get lost. Yeah, pretty much because that seems to be like what the guy's saying. Like, what reason does he have to do it? Well, you know, 
he's an elf, so why wouldn't he help people? I mean, that's what elves are about. He might just want to help anyone that comes. You know, these are people in need that he can help. Why wouldn't he help them? That might be his thing. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, he could also ask in exchange, you know, you're the only one that can, you know, do this. So I need you to kill the, the fifth god hand. <laughs> if I do this for you, <laughs> can you think you can do that? I only really bring up the king thing in terms of his intentions. I don't expect like a big parlay with him, him being who he is. Uh, really, I just think that that could be an opportunity to get a wider view of what's happening in the world. If if the king knows who Guts is, what he is, his grudge against Griffith and the God Hand, and he knows what's happening in the wider world, we might get a unique perspective from him in terms of him kind of empowering Guts so that he'll go out and do, you know, this thing. Because you think about it from his perspective, from the king's perspective. This is a pretty apocalyptic scenario, right? What the God Hand are planning out there. And so I, I'm really interested in what someone like him, who is very knowledgeable about the state of the world, would say about circumstances. Well, I think, like in any case, I think we're going to get that. I mean, to me, like Elf Elm is a, really is a perfect place for it. And uh, yeah, so I think we'll get knowledge about the wider world. Maybe even we'll be shown some of it. Mm. And yeah, we might get some insight to what the God Hand may be planning. So mm. whether it's from the king himself or from other people on the island, which may also be knowledgeable in some way, I mean, I don't know. But uh, yeah, I think it will happen. But I don't think it's necessarily tied with the king like needing a specific reason to help them. It might, you yeah. know, it might be the case. But I mean, I, I, like, I don't think that's really... Some things that necessitates it. Yeah, I mean, I don't, ex- I don't expect him to say no, and I don't expect him to make them beg. I, I just wondered what the circumstances will, will be when they make that request. You know, that's all. Well, you know, why don't we let's run with this for a second? What if he's an asshole? Like they go the Wizard of Oz route. You know, mm. like you know, that's not outside the realm of possibility that he's he's less friendly than we would come to expect from his name and everything. But it's you know, ultimately a put on. That would be interesting. That's something that Mira could do. Yeah, one thing I, I actually have wondered about <coughs> is uh, what if he's, you know, like what if he's an elf in every way an elf can be, which means mischievous mm-hmm. and temperamental, and he might just say, well, you know, I don't feel like it, you know, or, <laughs> yeah. or just be more interested in doing something else. I mean, that's something that could be the case. So why not being like a complete asshole, but he could be... Uh, you know, unreliable or that, yeah, that kind of stuff. Kind of so, a loop, you know, like I'd, he doesn't really care. <laughs> yeah, I'd be disappointed if parts of his personality weren't like that. If they weren't kind of a reflection of what we've seen of elves, you know, it would be weird if it wasn't. If he didn't have some kind of whimsical part to him, you know, if, if he was super serious, I don't know if that would be make yeah. sense really. I mean, it would make sense for everyone to approach him super seriously, and he's just mm-hmm. sort of like, huh? Well, okay, yeah. <laughs> I expect him to be wacky in, in a way or another. He's going to be Mr. Kr- if you remember Mr. Kruger from Seinfeld. I, <laughs> I don't. Gonna... Yeah, oh, okay. I, I don't remember either. <laughs> he was George's lousy boss who didn't care about anything. <laughs> Just sort of like, well, oh well. <laughs> I'm not worried about it. Like his, comp- his own company was going down the drain because, mm. because of bad management. He's just like, oh, I'm not too worried about it. <laughs> he could be like that. <laughs> I kind of remember now. I, I need to update my references to the last decade or so. <laughs> <laughs> That'll help. Anyway, it's really exciting. We're already talking about our perceptions of the king, and it feels like we're just episodes away. Like we said, we expect you know up to two episodes from now we'll be in the village itself. So, well, we'll see about that. Yeah, Ixor, of course. And it's this exciting place to be either way. Yeah, as it has been for a while. Some 
awesome history lessons either way about the world and at least Elfhelm itself. Yeah, yeah. It, will, it will be nice to see also a place like we have. We haven't seen much of Fantasia yet. You know, mm-hmm. we, we've seen uh, like when, so when there was a big reveal and we see the forest uh, and uh, the field around uh, Falconia, but. You know, the whole Fantasia thing, the whole crazy places with crazy creatures and that kind of stuff. Uh, we, we, yeah, we haven't seen much of that yet. So I think Alfem, I think Alfem will be a good opportunity to see some of that, you know, like creatures like the Kelpie or more kind of weird creatures like that or just, well, I don't know, strange plants, strange animals, strange natural phenomenon, you know, that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Foreign, honor. But it's it's interesting to bring it full circle. The you know how much attention was paid to Falconia in its inception. You know, like we you know we're kind of expecting here just like two page spread after two page spread showing the grandeur and everything. Whereas here, you know, we didn't get anything like that. So I mean, I think like you said, as it's it's still to come. We're not actually there yet. Yeah. It seems like we are because they're on the island, but the island itself isn't the mm-hmm. isn't the show. Well, yeah, that's the thing. It's also part of what, you know, like there's Kellig, which is the island, and then there's Elfhelm, which is the, you know, I don't know, capital of elves or whatever. So, and yeah, while we've reached Skellig, I we haven't reached Elfhelm yet. And yeah, I think there's quite a, a few things yet to come. Much like, you know, we haven't seen much of the secret dome at the top of Falconia, you know. And uh, so, yeah, I, I also expect there to be surprises there. Um. I feel like I keep thinking of things, but, um, you know, there's always been this oppressive atmosphere with Berserk. When you look at any city or society that kind of Mira has constructed within the human world, it's always been pretty oppressive and depressing, kind of. There's a certain degree of darkness to the whole thing. And we know part of that, at least. It's not just Mira's flavor for civilization. It's also the fact that, you know, causality... Is it work, you know, kind of grinding people down to go down a certain path? But Elfhelm is a place that presumably is not necessarily, you know, in accordance with Causality's plan. Then mostly being comprised of magical creatures and Causality being a, a human fixated uh, event. So I wonder what kind of civilization this is going to be or, or if it's merely going to be an analog of what we saw with Flora's Manor or if it'll be even more unique and more crazy and more kind of off the wall. I think it'll be a kind of utopian thing where they're just living in the forest happily with the little elves and the trees and all that kind of stuff. So <laughs> that's what I expect. I also don't I think... Can see, I can see Guts being so disgusted <laughs> at the same time, you know, sort of happy, but at the same time like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, I think it would be a nice little place. That's what I expect. At the same time, I also like. I would uh, challenge what you said about causality because I think causality is just a principle which can be applied to anything. But I think the one manipulating causality uh, uses it specifically on humans because that's what it's concerned with, mm-hmm. which is a bit of a nuance to that. But yeah, I was what I was mostly getting at was that it's a human-centric phenomenon. Because yep. it's of it's the idea, idea of evil's nature connecting itself to the common human consciousness. Yep. And for as wonderful and whimsical as uh, the island already looks compared to, you know, most places with the rocks and, you know, sort of, you know, even Guts thought it was cute the way they were sort of having to navigate these trials. Yeah. Mira still managed to work in, you know, 
raggedy killer scarecrows, <laughs> which, you know, sure. it's, it's sort of, it, I felt like we were brought back to, you know, Berserk's center. They're like, yeah. ah, you know, here we go. This is comfortable. <laughs> yeah. I like Jose says, as a, as a kid says that, uh, they'll be scared by it. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it does look, it does look pretty scary, you know, scary as in you'll die from it. So yeah. <laughs> so yeah, was that Scarecrow just gonna kill Isidro? Yeah, actually, <laughs> actually, I'm I'm not sure of it because from what they say, it seems it might just be like a trick, and yeah. he won't really be fighting. So yeah, I, I actually wonder. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> In a few more weeks on Christmas Day. Yeah. 343. Cool, guys, that's it for this uh, extra long episode of the Skullcast. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll be back in a couple weeks to talk about 343.